Tuesday edition of Smith & Jones. Right here on Sportsnet 590, the fan, Eric Smith, Paul Jones with you. Jones, I, I, I tweaked my back the other day. Maybe this is like a, a you know, in, in prep of the, you know, pending snowstorm that's coming over apparently in like three days or something. So I, I, I have an excuse now for my wife and for the neighbors. Oh, I can't, I can't lift, but why do I bring this up? Because now I'm not just chair dancing. I'm like dancing, dancing when the intro music hits. It just hits a little different at 10 o'clock every day when the song comes on. Like, if we've done nothing else right with this show, the music. We chose the music correctly. It gets me going every day. And as I look for a little segue here, a guy that's dancing right now, dancing into retirement, dancing into the retirement of the greatest football career in history, Tom Brady. And the only thing I will say just quickly, this was handled terribly. Like, on one hand, I assume we have to cut him some slack because it's not his fault, I'm assuming. It's somebody in his camp, somebody close to him that leaked out the news over the weekend. But then his dad and anybody close to him, no, 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 no. This isn't legit. It's not official. He hasn't made up his mind yet. He hasn't retired. But we didn't hear from Tom. Then we hear from Tom last night in an interview. Not decided yet. I'm not retiring. Not sure, Jim Gray. Don't know what to think. Hmm. And like eight hours later, I'm retired. (laughs) Why do that interview last night then, saying you're not sure or saying that it's not official, only to have the statement come out eight, ten, twelve hours later that you are retired? Like, that's my only criticism. Otherwise, let's celebrate the greatest of all time, the GOAT. And that's coming from a Bills fan. The GOAT. The GOAT. Tom Brady. Did I lose, Jonesy? I, I'm here. Eh? Uh, Go ahead. Uh, yeah, no, I, I, I agree with you. Everybody wants to be first, and that's what kind of made it. Uh, that's what kind of made it crazy. Uh, in the end, he should have just said, "Yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I'm seriously considering it, and you know, it, it may become official later. Just leave it. Just, just like somebody leaked it, obviously." Um, and admit like get to it and it's there's no there's not like you're hiding anything that's shameful i mean you're going to be celebrated so i i agree with you on all that and and uh um boy what a career what a career for a guy who uh in the in the fred van vliet mode before fred uh made it popular around these parts uh who bet on himself who just okay uh Sixth round pick. I, I marvel when I look back at that picture from him. I think it was from the combine. Him standing in a pair of shorts. I'm like, that guy is going to be the greatest quarterback ever in NFL history. <laughs> like the Freedom 55 moment. That guy. <laughs> like that, you're kidding me, right? And and what a career he's had. No, he's he's had a terrific career. Uh, I don't like the way the news was handled. It would have been nice to have had it one clean. Uh, you know, one clean news conference. But then again, uh, as we know in this time, uh, everybody wants to break the story and they want to be first. Sometimes it doesn't even matter if they're right. In this case, they were right. People were right, whoever it was. And to that to that entity now, the information age has changed us so much. It doesn't matter who's first. Like, it, it doesn't matter, like, who's first or, or, or who had the story or whatever. At least that's the way I feel. You know, people always ask us, well, why do the national reporters in the States get stuff that you don't? I don't know. It's not our job. Our job is to call the games and 
on our radio show react and talk about what happened or what's topical or what's popular. Not my job to wait in the bushes and, and find out, you know, who's, who's trading who or, 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 or get this information. Sometimes it, it, it falls into our lap and we don't, we don't always do stuff with it. You know, who wants to be first all the time? Like I don't, I'm not, I'd rather get it right than, you know, that mentality of let, let's be first. That, that being the case, uh, in this instance, what a career for Tom Brady. Tom Brady. He's going out on top, um, you know, in a sense. Like, yeah, sure, he lost in the playoffs, but he's put, uh, he's put his score in the clubhouse for a lot of guys to try and beat with seven Super Bowl rings. It's going to be tough. I think it's going to be real tough. I mean, I, I in in this, hey, listen, you can never say never because I'm sure there were people, you know, that were alive uh, and 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 cheering on during the heyday of, you know, to use another comparable sport of whether it be Wilt or whether it be Kareem or whether it be Jordan that would be saying, oh, it'll never be done. It could be never done. And then somebody's going to come along, whether it's LeBron James or whether it's Kobe Bryant, that, that kind of at least starts piquing your interest or changing the conversation a little bit. So, hey, had Mahomes beaten the Bengals and right now is prepping for another Super Bowl? Like, I, I, hey, here's another one. Our colleague... And it's not to say that he's right. It's not to say that he's wrong. But our colleague Arash Madani, I saw on the weekend. Sorry, Arash, I'm, I guess I'm, I'm not calling you out, but I'm using you as an example. When the news of Brady, we thought, broke on the weekend, Sportsnet on Instagram and Twitter, I believe, put out a, 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 you know, a, a tweet, a posting. Who's your Mount Rushmore of NFL quarterbacks. And I'm sure other outlets probably did the same as well. And I just happened to notice Arash, hence the reason I'm bringing him up. Arash had his, and yes, of course, Brady was on it, but he had Mahomes on it already. He did not have Peyton Manning. He did not have Joe Montana. I'm trying to remember who his, who his four were. I know it was Brady. Mahomes, Elway, and I got to look it up now for his fourth. But he did not have Joe Montana, and he did not have Peyton Manning. So even a guy like Arash, who's a football fan, used to work for the Canadian Football League as well, the man knows the sport, he's already anointing Patrick Mahomes. And point being, Jonesy, there's a guy right there. Could he end up getting five, six, seven, eight? Well, maybe not after what happened this year, but there's always going to be somebody else that comes around. But to do what he did, as you said, to go back to the combine picture, to go back to the career that he had at Michigan, which was good but not necessarily great, where he was drafted, how he ultimately took the reins from Drew Bledsoe and then became the greatest of all time, I don't know if we're going to see that matched. It's a, it, as you, you said it perfectly in our conversation with Howard Beck yesterday. It's not the flashy point guard that comes in like Ja Morant that you know is going to be a star and you're just waiting for it to happen. It's a guy that's unheralded. It's a guy that's undrafted. It's a guy that creates himself and turns him into something. And with no disrespect to Fred Van Vliet, I think he's going to have a hell of a career. He's already a champion. But I don't know if he's winning seven titles, and I don't know if in 10, 15 years we're going to be talking about Fred Van Vliet, greatest of all time. Like That's where the conversation and the narrative changes for Tom Brady versus just about anybody else. Because all of the stars, I would argue, 
hockey, baseball, basketball, football, all of them. You think of the greatest of all time, is there one other than Brady that rose from the low ranks, from the ashes in a sense, like he did? Everybody else came with the glory or close to it, not like this. I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe in maybe in, in real time right now I'm forgetting somebody, Jonesy, but I can't think of one that had little hype that became the greatest. Yeah, no, that's that's a good point. Uh, Lance Kennedy, our producer in in uh, in our group chat, and in my ear, Mount Rushmore was yeah. Troy Aikman was the other guy. So, hey man, all those guys had something in common as as we segue to basketball. E. Um, uh, when it comes to resiliency, and is there a better example of resiliency now than the current incarnation of the Toronto Raptors? Like, how good was that last night? Shooting thirty percent, thirty-five percent in the first half, and 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 down by eleven, and kind of teetering after a triple overtime. It would have been easy to fold the tent on this one. It really would have. Yeah. Like, hey man, we got the big win in Miami, triple overtime. First night of the back-to-back, we got Miami again tomorrow, and no, they like, they decided, no, it's, we're going to do what we do. And I know the minutes police are out again, as every starter played a minimum of 36 minutes, but just keep, just keep racking up the W's, and we'll worry about, we'll worry about the minutes later. People are like, well, you know, they're going to be tired come playoff time. Well, if you don't play these guys, there may not be playoff time. So, and I always use the example, right, that coach that, He's down 10, 12 points in the middle of the second quarter, and the other team's going to town, and everybody in the building knows it's time for a timeout or do something, Makes it, and he doesn't. I'm saving my timeouts for the end of the game when I need them. Okay, well, like I said, you, you save those timeouts for the end of the game when you're down 25 and see how, see how impactful that timeout will be because you won't use it, right? Yeah. So, uh, I, I, you know, I know people are on the minutes, but although Boucher got – 21 minutes yesterday um you know precious gave precious had 17, 17 mm-hmm. and and he was three three of six so um you know that's this kind of the way it is right now um and and as we've talked about no player is going to ask to come out of the game they might be tired but if the choice is be out there and play or watch somebody you're a starter and watch somebody else out there throwing the ball into the stands Forget it. Leave me out there. I'll, I'll, I'll keep playing. <laughs> hey, how many times have I said to you, and again, I know you've played at a much higher level than me, um, I don't think it's, it's crazy to think that I, I, I'm going to ask or, or should feel uncomfortable asking a 20, 25, 28, 30, 32, 34-year-old person, professional athlete, I don't think it's crazy for me to say, I need you to go all out, empty the tank four times a week for two hours. The other 22 hours of the day, you can sleep, you can rehab, you can do maintenance, you can do whatever. Because I guarantee you, maybe I shouldn't, I can all but guarantee you that Ananobi Siakam, Trent Van Vliet, and Barnes are practicing minimally right now. Are they working on their games? Yes. But, Jonesy, are they going up and down and getting in a full lather in a 90-minute or two-hour practice on off days? No. So is it absolutely crazy for me to say, 
What's the math on, on how many hours in a week, Jonesy? What's 24 times 7? You need to do the math for me. 168? Uh, yeah. So you know what? Eight hours I need. The other 160 are yours. Is that really that bad? Is it really that hard? And it's not even two straight hours. There's going to be timeouts, and there's going to be quarter breaks. There's going to be halftime. It's only going to be 35 minutes, 38 minutes, 42 minutes, 55 minutes. But basically, I need you for two hours, four times a week. Is that, like, a totally ridiculous request? No. Not I don't all. think so. Not at all. Not at all. And and the other part of that is those guys want to do it too. I mean, yeah. How many, players yeah. Would, how many players would say to the coach, hey, man, I'm good for the full 48. Um, and they're, some of those guys are playing right now. I mean, Pascal is just, he is just determined. I mean, he just, I mean, the look in his eye when he has the ball, uh, he's, you know, he's got the full, kind of the full Paul Pierce going herky-jerky, uh, wearing out the brakes, stop and go. He's just hes just doing an amazing job. Gary Trent Jr., we're talking about historical scoring right now. Four straight games or 30 or more of 30 or more. Like that's, uh, you know, that's big. It, it, it just I, I just go down the list. Scotty Barnes last night, he had six rebounds. I swear he had like 55 tip-outs on the offensive glass. <laughs> like it just it just <laughs> seemed like every time you needed an extra possession, and, and there we go again. The Raptors getting more field goals than their opponents. It, it was mm-hmm. it was 89-78 before Atlanta got two or three at the end that didn't that that didn't matter. Um, they're a resilient group. They're fun to watch. And man, I we said it when we said it in in the game Saturday that we did. These they are going to be a tough out at the end of the year. I'm not saying they're going to win it all. They might. Yeah, strange things happen. I I don't think so. But hey, man, they're going to be a tough out. You even if you're one of the top teams, you don't want to see them for what they're going to make, how they're going to make you work, and what they're going to take out of you when it when it comes time to move on to the next round. So you just you just if you're a Raptor fan, you you got to love this team and be really really proud of them. Yeah, I mean, Jones, you talked about the epic run that Gary Trent is on right now. He's, uh, uh, you know, one more 30-point performance away. And I mean one more in a row. It doesn't matter if he does it in two weeks. I'm talking about can he do it again tonight against the Heat from tying DeMar DeRozan on the all-time mark. It's only been done once in franchise history where a player has gone for 30-plus in five straight games. He's now on that list alongside, well, the likes of Kawhi Leonard and Mike James. <laughs> and I love Mike. He had that crazy, crazy season where he was just like, man, he, he didn't meet a shot that he didn't like. Mike just went off that year. But it's been done multiple times in franchise history, four straight with 30-plus, but it's only been done once, five straight of 30-plus, so that by DeMar DeRozan. So we'll see if Gary Trent can do so tonight as the Raptors get set for the heat on the back-to-back. Speaking of Gary Trent, after the ball game last evening, talking about the support that he's received from the coaches this season. No, it's just no pressure, you know. Yeah. Go out there, play hard, you know, every day. Your coaching staff is telling you they believe in you. Your coaching staff is telling you the things that you can do to succeed. And then when you go out there and actually put into play, you know, it's a different feeling. It's, a, it's something you can't put into words, you know, the support. That's mostly the whole thing what it is. You know, a lot of guys, it's really great in this league, but, you know, just the confidence and, you know, people believing in them and giving them the opportunity, you know, that's what it really is. That's what it really is all about. 
And one more from Gary Trent, just uh, his approach, his mindset this season. Come in and do my job. Come in and help this team win. You know, obviously, when they pay you a certain amount of money or want to bring you a part of what they're trying to do. There's a certain expectation you have. There's a certain, you know, way you need to go about things, handle situations, you know, try to get as many wins as you can and contribute to that and help to that. I love that attitude. I love it, Jonesy. You know, like, how many times do you hear, and I'm not saying it doesn't happen, but you don't hear it often where an athlete talks about, hey, they're paying me well, and I got to hold up my end of the bargain. Oftentimes it's, hey, I got my money, and it's not to say that you're not working, but they don't necessarily reference it. They don't reference my half of the bargain, my side of this deal. I love hearing that from Gary Trent. And you've noted a number of times, and you're bang on with this, at least on our broadcast we've been talking about it, as well as he's playing offensively, you know, three straight 30-plus, and he's been incredible as a scorer, he's been a far better, I mean far better defender than what I think anybody even hoped for, let alone expected. I mean, he was a decent defender in Portland, but, I mean, he has been solid, solid, and not just gambling, taking chances, and grabbing the odd steal. No, he's locking up his guy, and he's becoming a legit threat defensively. Well, it's his activity, E. Like, I, I, I thought he was okay defensively. You know, one of those guys that plays enough defense with his scoring to, to stay on the floor. But he's really showing me. I mean, we're, we're at more than halfway through the season right now. And, and, and there he is, you know, still amongst the leaders in deflections. He's, he's pesky. He's, he makes guys work. I, you know, I wouldn't necessarily call him this tough, gritty lockdown guy, but he's effective defensively. He's effective. He, he moves his feet. He's got active hands. He's, uh, you know, he peels back in the passing lanes. He, he knows where he's supposed to be. I, 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 to me, that's, I never saw that. I, you know what? Maybe I wasn't looking for it, and it's jumped up and, and slapped me in the face, and you can't help but see it now, but he's, he's given it to them at both ends. You know, here, here we are at the beginning of the year. I thought, well... They'll start another ball handler with Fred. It'll be Goran Dragic. And what, that lasted, what, one game, two games? Um, and, and, again, part of the development is you give this kid the right minutes with the right people on the floor in the right environment, and the development takes a whole different track. I mean, you, you don't think I'll, – I'll take another young player. You don't think Scotty Barnes' development is different from – or Evan Mobley's development in a winning environment is different from, uh, uh, you know, uh, a Kate Cunningham or a Jalen Suggs or, 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 or you know, a, a Josh Giddy or people like that. It's, it is different to be part of, of winning and have a little added responsibility in there, too. So, you know, Gary Trent Jr. fits that bill. Um, let's keep the Gary Trent Jr. love going here. How about Nick Nurse? on Trent, what he's brought this season, last night's performance, and more. Here's Nick Nurse. Well, I think, um, you know, it's big. It was certainly a big lift, I think, um, just, um, you know, just spirit-wise, emotionally, uh, you know, you're saying what kind of lift does it give you? It gives you a huge lift, and then he gives you somewhere to go, you know, to right. Doug with some with some play calls, and then, and then it usually gives you something to counter back against, too, because he'll draw so much – uh, attention, you know, that we can, we can go back to, some, you know, the other direction to somebody else. That's, that's, um, that's big, but you know, it's good to see him get hot there. 
and hit a few in a row like that. I mean, we've talked about it several times this year. This guy can play defense, right? He, he and it all comes from his competitive nature. He's, he's feisty and fighting out there and knocking the ball away and, and um, just competing. And, and that was probably what, what he, um, we just, he just needed to throw it up a gear. He certainly competes at the offensive end. He's got the ball in his hands. He's searching hard and using a lot of energy and, and we just, just need him to do it at both ends. And like we always say, if you, play with great energy at one end it usually translates to the other and for him it has there is nick nurse on gary trent mentioning some of the points we were just discussing uh how he's not just a scorer he's a defender he's become an all-around player and this you know jonesy this goes back to something i was saying to you yesterday as well and and i I think i've told the story at least once or twice in the past but this is where um not that i got into trouble but where a player misunderstood something i said years ago that player being Antonio Davis. And he, to his credit, approached me about what he thought he heard and about the fact that he thought I was trying to run him out of town or, or advocate that he should be dealt. And what it was was, at the time, Vince Carter and Antonio Davis were the only two players that had any value on the Raptors roster. Hence the reason, if the Raptors were going to make a trade to try and improve their team, you got to give something to get something. And I said... At the time, obviously it turned out to be not the case a couple of years later, but at the time, you're not trading Vince Carter. Daily air duct cleaning phone call to Paul Jones. You're not trading Vince Carter. So the only other player on your team that you could potentially trade that would have any value is Antonio Davis. Now, AD thought that I was saying trade Antonio Davis, and I said, no, if anything, man, this is a compliment. I'm saying you're such a good player that you're the only person that could actually fetch something in return if the Raptors were trying to improve their roster. reason I bring up that story is, and I said to you yesterday, it's going to be difficult, I think, to improve this team or to improve the bench right now. Not to say that there aren't moves out there, and certainly that Goran Dragic piece is something that has some value and I think could turn into something. But I can't see, I could be wrong, I can't see Webster and Ujiri trading Trent or Ananobi or Van Vliet or Siakam, or Barnes. So if you're not trading any of your five best players, is there a move out there that's going to significantly improve your depth, your bench, your roster overall? And I don't think they should trade any of those guys. I roll with what you got right now, and to the point you made right off the top of the show, they're already proving they're going to be a tough out and could be a dangerous team. So I'm good with what they got. If they do nothing, I'm okay. Did Jones get caught on the air duct call? Maybe he did. He's right now saying, please, you guys call me every day. I don't need my air ducts cleaned. In fact, I, th- I live yeah. in a condo. It's not even up to me. Call the, call the super. Talk to him. We don't need the air ducts cleaned. <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, he, uh, to, your, to your point about the, um, to your point about the, the trade, as I said, what, last week or weeks ago, and I've always said, your trade is with an eye to the future, development, improving the team. And, yeah, you got to trade something to get something. Like you got to give up something good to get something good. But um, there's timing to certain trades too, right? Like you think about the Kawhi Leonard trade. That was the time to do it because you were close. You were... The window was open, and you weren't sure how long it was going to stay open. So 
try to throw your bags through and jump through it before it closes. The window is just opening for Toronto. It's, it's not time to make this huge, huge blockbuster deal. I, I, I don't think. I mean, you, you, sure, you make a big deal, you make a good deal to push the window a little further open, but it, it was the right time for the Kawhi Leonard deal. And that's the other thing, too. People, sometimes the, a team makes a, a big trade for a guy and it doesn't, uh, it doesn't have the same impact. He's good, the team improves. But they, they, they still they still don't they still don't win a title, you know. They still don't, um, you know. They still don't push it right up to the top of the hill. So I, I I think if you're the Raptors right now, as well as these guys are playing, um, you're patient and you're letting uh, guys like Siakam, Van Vliet, who are the classic Ananobi, the classic young vets, right? Been in the league. You know, a handful of years, uh, still young, haven't hit their, you know, still have good years left. You know, I, I, we don't know if they've hit their, their peak. They're playing well now, but is there more in the tank? Maybe. So I, I, I think the same way as you do with, with the deals and the trades. If, if there's nothing done, like I do something with the Drogic thing because of the expiring contract, if you can get something. But other than that, I, I don't see any real pressing urgency uh, right now. Then again, if a good deal jumps in your face and you can't resist it, that's, that's another thing. But um, I, I, just, I just like this team right now. I really do. I just like the way they're playing. Uh, it stems from the coaches, from, from, you know, from, from Nick and, and, and Adrian and, and you know, Earl Watson and Gleason. And, like, they're all goodwill. They're all like the competitiveness instilled in this team. I mean, you see Nick on the sidelines. If if you could put a uniform on him, he'd he'd get out there and guard people. He'd get out there and rebound and make shots. And that's and and that to me is reflected in the way the team is playing and and you know the success that they're having right now too. All right, we're going to talk more about the uh, Toronto Raptors uh, in a couple of moments when David Thorpe joins us, and um, you know we get into a whole bunch of things with him, including not just Gary Trent, not just the team overall, but hey, how about Pascal Siakam? I mean, he continues to turn heads and impress, and another guy that's proving more and more, not just a one-trick pony on one end of the floor, but bringing it defensively too. Before we step aside for a moment, though, I do want to mention, because we will have more on this uh, throughout the show. We're trying to track down a guest or two regarding Tom Brady. Somebody pointed this out to me, and, I mean, it's making the rounds uh, on, on social media, too, for what it's worth, Jonesy, just to bring it back to Tom for a second here. And, again, if you're just tuning in or if you've been under a rock for the last 45 minutes, Tom Brady has officially retired. Have you actually read the statement yet? Like, have you seen the statement that he no, put I out haven't. on Instagram? Okay. I'm not going to read the whole I thing. Haven't. It's fairly long. It's fairly long. But in mentioning that, you know, this is difficult and this is the game I love so much and but I want to be with family and I've done a lot of reflecting. Blah, 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 blah. Last paragraph. I'm not going to read the whole thing. To my Bucks teammates the past two years, I love you guys and I have loved going to battle with you. You have dug so deep to challenge yourself. Yada, 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 yada. There is not one mention of the New England Patriots, Robert Kraft, Bill Belichick, Almost 20 years in New England, 
Nothing. There is zero. I know he's a buck. I know he retired as a buck. There is not one mention. And it's not like that was an oversight, right? It's not like he sat back, oh, shoot, I forgot to mention the Patriots. Hmm, I better put out a follow-up statement. Like, a man that smart, a man that calculated, a man that business savvy, social media savvy, that's not an oversight. He does not mention the Patriots, even the Patriot fans, nothing about the Patriots in his retirement speech announcement posting whatever that's 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 pretty ballsy that's pretty wild don't you think yeah 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 it is it's uh you know unless he's got he's left himself an out saying well you know when i left new england i you know i i did all that but this is the end of the career i'm i'm a little bit surprised at that one other quick little shout out here our guy dan lorimer fabulous producer at sportsnet off the top of the show, we were saying, is there any other player that you can think of in the GOAT conversation that came out of nowhere like Tom Brady did? And I couldn't think of one. Dan submits as a possibility here, as a, as a potential candidate, Albert Pujols. Oh, okay. Okay. It's a good one. I don't know if – here's the thing. If you were – if you were and, and 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 this is the only guess I, that I would nitpick. As good as Albert Pujols was, is, and forever will be known as, if I asked you right now for your Mount Rushmore of baseball players, I don't think Albert Pujols would be on it. So he's great, but I don't know if he's in the greatest of all time conversation. Is he? I like I don't know. I don't I don't think he'd be on mine. But Tom Brady sure as hell is. In fact, Tom Brady is probably on the greatest professional athletes of all time, period. Like, if I said, give me a Mount Rushmore of football, baseball, basketball, and hockey, or even if you wanted to sub, sub out one of those sports for soccer or something else, Pujols isn't on that list, but Tom Brady is. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, how, how, what kind of bar arguments would you have on that one? One guy from each sport of the four majors in North America one guy for a Mount Rushmore. Like you, you couldn't you couldn't get past one sport to get to four. Like every guy would be it would be up for discussion with every every single guy. You know? Who is it who is it in baseball? Who who oh man. That's oh, the, the only one I struggle it. with. I, I struggle with I struggle with baseball Jonesy because I think the guy that should be there is somebody that was before my time. I never saw him play. Babe Ruth. Babe Ruth. Uh, so I'm just assuming. Two. I'm assuming, but maybe it's Willie Mays. Maybe it's me. Barry Bonds. Maybe like I, I, I don't. Maybe it's Mickey Mantle. Like, I don't know. But I think the yeah. other three, I would easily, confidently say, Tom Brady, Wayne Gretzky, Michael Jordan. Yeah, uh, I, I, uh, I struggle with baseball. Like as much as as well as Ruth played. Uh, it, nothing counts to me till after like 1947. Yeah, I hear you. <laughs> like, I hear you. You know, um, and and I know a lot of baseball people are upset because we had uh, Mr. Kendrick on our show, and uh, they're going to kind of redo, rejig the Hall of Fame because of uh, you know the the Negro Leagues and the, and and some of the players there. Um, man, yeah, it, it it. How do you how do you look past a, you know. A, 
a guy like Willie Mays. I, I just, I, I don't know. I, I, and who are your others, E? I know we got to go to break. Who are your others? Jordan? Jordan, Gretzky, Gretzky Brady. I, like, and, I, and I, I, wouldn't even, I wouldn't even sit long to listen to an argument on any of those. I'd get up and go find myself more wings or go get another beer. <laughs> like, listen, you can, you can talk to me about Mario or Gordy. You can talk to me about, I don't know, Joe Montana, Jim Brown. Uh, I don't know. You can talk to me about LeBron or Kareem or Wilt. No, you won't change my mind. Like, you will not change my mind. Jordan. Gretzky, uh, Brady. We're, we're going down a rabbit hole here because I had a discussion um, discussion along the same lines to the people that say a guy only like Brady only played one side of the ball. Um, we, we went down a rabbit hole this weekend with some people about can, can the goalie or should the goalie be, ever be an MVP in, in, in the Stanley Cup Finals? Should a pitcher be the MVP in baseball? Um, Anyway, that's that's for that's for another day. That's for another day. <laughs> well, maybe. Hey, I'm sure David Thorpe's got an opinion on some of these things. We can talk to him next about uh, everything, okay. anything. He's uh, he's on top next on Smith and Jones. Back on Smith and Jones, Eric Smith, Paul Jones, with you. Raptors getting set for the Heat tonight, second night of the back-to-back for both teams. In fact, tough one for the Raptors, maybe making that late-night flight home from Atlanta, but certainly feeling better on that late-night flight after the win over the Hawks. And again, uh, second game in three nights, four nights, uh, for the Raptors and the Heat as they will host Miami down at Scotiabank Arena to talk about that game and just more the Raptors overall. The season they're having thus far now, two games above 500, a couple of weeks away from the All-Star break. Joining us, uh, writer, analyst from True Hoop and co-host of the Bring It In podcast, David Thorpe. David, thanks again for your time today. Oh, my pleasure. David, uh, we, we spent a great deal of the, the start of the show talking about the season that Gary Trent Jr. is having, the run that he's currently on as well with uh, four straight games of 30-plus. And one of the things we mentioned with Trent is we're seeing not just the emergence of him as a scorer, but as a defender as well. If you want to hit on that, that's fine. But I was going to say, we're also seeing that with Pascal Siakam. I mean, he's always been a decent defender, but we've certainly seen this season and over the last couple of weeks, the numbers that Pascal is putting up offensively, fantastic, but defensively starting to dig in and make a ton of plays as well. And we saw it big time on Saturday night late, a couple of huge blocks and stops on Jimmy Butler and the all-around emergence of Pascal's game. Well, yeah, I think I think generally speaking, the Raptors are kind of figuring out how they're playing, especially when they're you know they're really going to no center. Um, I think that in Siakam's case, he was an elite defender, and offensively he was very very good. But I mean, they had Fred, they had Kyle, they had Kawhi. You know, in the year they won the championship, but now he's really the engine, even more so than than Fred. And I just think it's hard to manage it. And also be an elite defender. It's, it's, there's an energy tax to everything that these guys do. And Siakam really does carry a heavy load for them offensively. And being out with the surgery and all of that, I just think it's taken them some real time to get comfortable expending the kind of energy that's required to be the defender he used to be. But I agree with you. I think it's, I think the Raptors in general, and I think uh, Siakam specifically, 
are you know, taking those strides forward. Uh, where in Siakam's case, and I wrote this in an article last week, as you probably know, he, he is working his way into the conversation to be an NBA player again. again. David, were people um, too quick to raise the bar around expectations for Pascal being, quote, the guy, unquote? I mean, he certainly has that potential. Uh, he looked to be working towards it. There, there were a few bumps in the road, and it was like he hit a few bumps, and people were like, wow, he's not going to be he's, – he's more of a Robin. He can't do that. He's, were, were, they, were they too quick to pass judgment there? I mean, I, I, you know, the road is never straight. It's never linear. Uh, it, it has bumps. It goes sideways. It goes backwards sometimes. I'm just wondering if, I, if you think people were too quick to dismiss his, his ability to be that guy, unquote, unquote. Well, just to be fair, when you say people, if you mean fans, I really don't care. You're, you're probably right. I, I mean, what do they know about this level of basketball? They're just fans. I, I, I can give you opinions on the law based on watching Law & Order. It doesn't make me a qualified lawyer. If you ask me about executives, that's a little different. Uh, I think that most executives understood, especially when they did a little research, that, that last year, was just a, and I wrote this too, it was just a, a nightmare season for both him and them. Uh, I, I live in the Tampa Bay area. It's no night. I mean, it's seven degrees and beautiful here today. Um, but if you're a Toronto Raptors player, it's a road game. Everything's a road game. And he got COVID. And he lost a bunch of weight. Uh, that's just, uh, I mean, he's a human being. That just was deeply challenging. And so I think there were some executives that felt like, to what you said, he kind of hit his ceiling, but I don't think that's what – I know that's not what Masai felt like because he told me on a phone call this summer that you started seeing signs of his return last year and that he thought he would have a big season this year, and he was right. And other executives I spoke with felt similarly. Only a few that I talked to uh, weren't sure that he isn't better off as a second fiddle guy. But I also want to say this. I remember the year the Celtics won their championship with Ray Allen, Kevin Garnett, and Paul Pierce. Uh, I was watching an interview with them, and I want to say it was on NBC. I could be wrong. Uh, they, and they were the final question they were asked, this was like in the NBA Finals, uh, who should take the last shot? Uh, Ray Allen pointed to Paul Pierce. Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce pointed to Ray Allen. Uh, in that playoff run, one series, Kevin Garnett was their best player. One series, Paul Pierce was their best player. One series, Ray Allen was their best player. I don't know which one was Robin. What does it matter? The idea is to collect yeah. as much high-level talent as possible and get them to complement each other and play well together. The Raptors have that. Siakam may be their best player in most series. He doesn't always have to be their best player. In fact, they, I would argue they're better off when he isn't because it means they're deeper. It's a, it's a good point, David. No doubt. Speaking with David Thorpe, writer, analyst, that True Hoop, co-host of the Bring It In podcast. I knew you lived in Florida. I don't think I knew that you lived that close to Tampa. So before we go, clearly we have to at least get your quick little sense of Tom Brady and the big announcement today. But we'll put that aside for a second, David. Um, maybe I'm looking a little too big picture, you know, kind of, you know, rainbows and puppy dogs here. But one of the things you were just mentioning about everything that Pascal, let alone the Raptors, went through last year, do you think, David, at times, whether it's Media, broadcasters, writers, fans, and even coaches, players, management. Do we sometimes forget or not pay enough attention to 
the human element of sports and what a, a, a an athlete is going through in their personal life at, at home with their spouse, their significant other, a sick parent. I think back to DeMar DeRozan flying back and forth from Toronto to Los Angeles trying to take care of and see his father. A young player coming into the league that's not even 21 years old trying to adapt to life away from home for the first time and still maybe not even able to go into bars, in, at least in the U.S. because he's not 21. All of the life stuff that goes along with, oh, yeah, by the way, you're a professional athlete and you're expected to go out and perform three, four, five days a week. Well, I, I, I'm not going to uh, accurately probably be able to uh, depict how I think the average person looks at NBA players, but I will tell you this. Everything you just said is right, and then factor in that because of social media and I think the collective indecency that it's fostered, uh, these athletes do connect with social media for lots of different reasons, sometimes for business and, and sometimes and oftentimes it's for pleasure like anyone else. And imagine being criticized every day in your job, but your job required that your competitors were going up against you and trying to crush you. That, that isn't how most of us work. I mean, most of us can live a very peaceful coexistence with other people who do similar things to us. It's not the case for the NBA players. They, their opponents are trying to bash their brains in every single day. Every day, that's what's just driving these guys to be better, is to not get beat up, you know, fatally speaking, but do the beating up themselves. And so, yeah, it's a, it's a much tougher life, I think, than the average person probably would understand. And uh, met, the mental part of this game is everything. Uh, keeping confidence. Uh, uh, having a balance in your life, it's very challenging. And when you see guys fail sometimes, very often it's because of what's happening off the court. David, we were talking a little bit about the, uh, the trade deadline coming up. And if you're a team, uh, I don't know, like say the Raptors, uh, you're, you're still on, on a build. Uh, you know, you're, you're, it's very different from, you know, I might, I might put Charlotte in there, except Charlotte doesn't have people with championship experience on their team your own you know put your gm hat your own philosophy mm-hmm. around the trade deadline in terms of uh the mix of improvement uh development and and kind of meshing the talent together so like are you ready for a big trade yet i mean we talk about the Kawhi leonard trade it was done at the perfect time to put you over the hill. You had everything else in place, and that was the final piece. I don't think the Raptors are near that, but you do need an eye towards the future. Put your GM hat on and, and take us through as, as, a, you know, as, as a Raptor GM come yeah. trade deadline. So, I, so I would look at two things. First of all, if there was a Kawhi Leonard-level player available, there isn't, to my knowledge. If there was, I would argue that if, depending on the deal they could put together, getting a guy like that would put Toronto in the top four in the East. They're not that far away to begin with, especially when they're playing up more, you know, more lately. And as Scotty Barnes rounds in his shape as a, as a veteran player, that'll help. But this, none of those guys exist. So to me, the big picture is this. I personally believe that if a GM can put together a team that, that over the, a three- or five-year window and it keep recycling – you can get near 55 wins. You've done a hell of a job because at that point, two things are happening. One, you always have the chance to win a championship because if you're winning that many games, you're going to be a top three or four seed, and you need to get a little lucky to win. Almost every team needs a little luck to win. 
And also, when you're that close, if you're developing your assets, your young players, and, and collecting picks and everything the right way, you can pull together one more deal to kind of push you into maybe a top two, the way Masai did with getting Kawhi. Uh, and so, to me, the Raptors are building towards a 50-win team, maybe as early as next season. I would argue probably by next season. That's not that hard to go from 50 to 55 because some of their young players uh, are so far away from their upside, they're also a potential to include Siakam. Siakam still has another, maybe a smaller level uh, left to get to when he can combine being a top 10% of the league offensive player and defensive player. He's not quite there yet defensively right now. So I think they're on the right track. I think it would be a huge mistake to, to get rid of any of their young players, to bring in a player that just barely pushes them up over uh, you know, a couple more wins. Uh, I just don't see a great deal for them out there. Uh, and yet I think they have enough good young players where you could maybe turn an OG into, into someone that's a little bit better on a team that's looking to kind of rebuild. I'm not saying they should do that. OG could become an all-star himself. Uh, he still has a lot of upside left to, to mine as well. So the one thing I think they need to look for is they need more help at the five. They need a, they need a floor-facing five that can also dominate in, inside. Those guys aren't hard to find, and they cost a lot of money. But if they can find the right guy for that uh, at the right price point next year, I think they can be really, really good, like very, very good. You know, David, one of the things we were discussing earlier in the show, and both Jonesy and I, to, to be clear in asking this question, we're okay with how things are going right now. We don't see the need for major change. But there are a lot of people that are saying, hey, would you love a five right now? Yes. A lot of people are focusing just on the bench. You need more depth. You need more help because is it sustainable to have guys playing 40, 42, 44, 50-plus yeah. minutes in a given night? Do you run the risk of, of running these young players, these emerging players, into the ground? Do they need more help, or can you keep playing this way? No, I, I think you're exactly right. Uh, I, I'm not trying to second-guess Nick Nurse. He's uh, one of the top coaches in the world. But I was just looking, even today, uh, Scotty Barnes leads the league in most uh, miles covered on, on defense, and he's third in the league overall in most ground covered. Fred Van Vliet's number one. Siakam's top ten. Uh, that's going to come at a cost. Uh, maybe soon and maybe not so later, you know, meaning next year, end of this season, postseason potentially, they're going to run out of gas. So um, I do think it's a concern. They, they've, that's what the G League is for, develop your young players. Uh, I think that um, – uh, adding, you know, play, they also play, they, ha, they move a lot. This, their offense is lots of movement. They are not standing in the corner. You know, it's not the Chicago Bulls to separate around DeRozan and Zach Levine and go play. No, they're, they're moving and cutting frequently and playing super fast and gambling on defense. So I do think depth is a big issue for them going forward. It's something you guys should be looking for. Well, um, so, so, in, in that vein, David, as we talked about, you've got to give something up to get something. Uh, you know, the last one for me, where, where do you go if you're Toronto? Or are you okay just sitting tight and waiting to riding this year out and waiting to see what happens in June and free agency? My guess is that they'll do the latter. My guess is they're going to wait. I heard, I heard uh, someone on, the, on a podcast talk about maybe trying to get Norman Powell back. Uh, with the way Gary Trent's playing, maybe that isn't uh, something they need. Uh, I think it's going to be hard to find. They, they can get lucky at center. There are, uh, I'm not going to go into names now, but there are centers 
uh, that are uh, possibly available uh, that aren't you know less than ten million dollars a year uh, that have a lot of upside. They're just kind of caught in a numbers game where there's they're on teams with other good centers. So I guarantee you that the the Raptors front office has a list of all of those potential players. And but they're not going to do a they're not going to do a, a bad deal to get them. There's other ways to find centers. And and I mean look at Isaiah Hartenstein uh, from the Clippers who uh, was always a good player I thought for the Rockets, but mostly played G League. And he's a very good player. There's there's young bigs that just develop late late blooming. Twenty three. 24, 25-year-old guys like Boucher, you guys had, obviously still have. Uh, I think you're better off waiting for to find one of those guys or develop them yourself uh, than, than, than trading any of these good players they have now. I like how the Raptors can, can play without a center and have, have all those you know, taller, longer guys out on the court together. I think it's an interesting zig to the kind of zag that you know, everyone else does, which is you know, classical fives. David, we appreciate the time and insight today. Thanks for joining us, as always. My pleasure. Be safe. Thanks, there David. Is David Thorpe, writer, analyst at True Hoop, and co-host of the Bring It In podcast. Um, we're going to step aside for a moment, continue with a whole lot more. And, and Jonesy, I'm going to want that Mount Rushmore. I want you to weigh in. I want you to oh, weigh boy. in. Football, football, oh, Mount boy. Rushmore, and all sports, Mount Rushmore. I'm putting you on the spot. Folks, make sure you subscribe to Smith & Jones wherever you get your podcasts. Please rate and review and share as well.